The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. now in the underdog sports fantasy hour i am josh dunn i'm joined as always by anchu kana anchu we've got week two under our belts this is a fantasy show we're going to talk about a lot of the injuries that took place last weekend but uh, i know you and i both had our our number one overall pick go down in that main league but aside from the obvious how are you feeling this evening my friend hey man we still got football we're still alive out here so you know relatively speaking i feel like Everything yeah. is, is sort of good. Yeah. How's yeah. it going with you? Uh, hanging in, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, – it, you wouldn't expect anything less from 2020. Uh, it sounds like MetLife Stadium's being uh, analyzed by the NFL officials now to see if there's some issues with that turf that maybe they need to address as a lot of 49ers went down in that game, which we'll get to. But – um, you know, a lot of fantasy implications this past weekend. We're going to touch on all of it. We're going to get to some previews later in the show as we do every week. So we're going to recap everything from week two, preview everything from week three. We'll mix in betting lines from BovadaSportsBook.com. We will mix in a lot of fantasy analysis. Anshu, how do you feel about just getting right into it for this week? I love it. Let's get, let's do it. Let's start with the Bengals-Browns. Battle of Ohio never disappoints, my friend. Um, and to be honest, as a Bengals fan, you know this offensive line, we've talked about it week in and week out, is going to get people beat up. Uh, but uh, it, it's pretty encouraging to see Joe Burrow go 5-5 five of five on fourth downs. Of course, they made Baker Mayfield uh, look like a pro bowler, as they always do uh, when they play against mediocre quarterbacks. Uh, but really, it's the run defense and the offensive line that are the issues for the Bengals. And Joe Burrow setting a, a, a rookie record for completions in a game, but he throws the ball, I think it was 62 or 63 times in this game. Not what you want to see out of any quarterback, let alone one playing in only his second NFL game. But uh, anything aside from those points that uh, you saw out of this one? I mean, yeah, I, the story of the game is clearly Burrow, even despite the loss. Like, he throws the ball 61 times, and he also runs the ball seven times. So um, the usage rate was in, just insanely high, and deservedly so. I mean, this guy is already pretty much the best player on their team, and that's that's not a negative. Like, that's what you want out of your – your number one pick. I know we keep talking about it, but it's just like, I think that not only are better days ahead, I mean, better days are already here. Like that, that's, it's an amazing thing to see a guy who, you know, a year ago, probably right now is maybe like a fourth round pick. And so it's just to, to the ascent is unreal. And, um, you know, speaking of better days being ahead, we'll talk about some of the other pieces to this offense, but, um, you know, I expect, you know, huge things out of Tyler Boyd eventually. And, you know, we, we, probably should take a second and give the Browns a little bit of credit here because I, I was ready to dump dirt all over Baker Mayfield in this offense. And, um, you know, they, they did look more like what, you know, a lot of Browns fans were expecting them to look like uh, in this game. 
Yeah, and the Bengals' defense will do that. Obviously, they have Mike Daniels and uh, Geno Atkins still out in this game. DJ Reader can't do it all himself, and they give up a lot of yardage on the ground to both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, who both have huge games in this one. But the one storyline that we really haven't heard much about, and obviously I'm a Bengals fan, so this this is definitely bias-leaning, is Auden Tate didn't dress for this game. If you remember Auden Tate last year, stepped into A.J. Green's shoes, had a lot of circus catches we saw in Center, and you know played a big role for this Bengals team last year. He doesn't dress for this game and actually comes out afterwards and requests a trade. So there's a lot of teams hurting at the wide receiver position. We're going to talk about a lot of injuries. There's a lot of teams that would love to have Auden Tate catching passes for them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on whether or not he does get moved. I don't. I don't see the Bengals doing it just because I'm. I know them, but uh, you know, it was. It's. It's kind of curious to me why they. They have you know John Ross in there who you know, he's a first round pick, but has not earned the right to be on the field where Auden Tate you know has. I, I just. The decision making from the top down has never been a, a strength of this organization. Um, which, you know, in, in talking about strengths of organizations, I know you've been one that has criticized a lot of the Bears' decision making. But they're sitting at two and zero. They win seventeen to thirteen over the Giants. Trubisky has two touchdown passes. He starts. It was like the opposite of what he did in Week One. Uh, in this one, he starts out pretty strong. You know, Saquon Barkley is the big story here in this game going down. But the Bears, you know, they sit at two and zero. Trubisky is continuing to give himself a, a little bit of a leash, but I don't, I don't know how much longer we're going to see him at the helm there for the Bears. But uh, what do you think of them being 2-0 and at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think even the the biggest Bears fan would say that it's a little bit of a, I don't want to say a fraudulent 2-0, and like they've earned their record. They've probably beaten teams they should have beaten, although that Lions game was insane. But I, I do think that like this week will be a great test for them. If they come out of Atlanta, who, you know, even given that dumpster that they dropped out there in, in Big D last week, and we'll talk about them. Like, I mean, if they're able to do that, go to 3-0, and I think they, they definitely look a lot more legitimate. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, it does seem in Chicago, and you tell me if you've heard differently, but it does feel like, you know, the leash has only strengthened or lengthened, I guess, for, for Trubisky. And, I mean, it hasn't been super impressive, but he has – I'll be honest, he's made more plays than I expected, um, even with the two picks, like, against a, a pretty terrible defense. Like, I, I do think that he's shown more flashes than I expected. And, um, you know, the other thing that come out of this game is Mooney is their, their number one guy, now, or their number two guy, clearly behind Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, just nowhere to be found, um, especially after a pretty good week one. So it, the Bears, you know, maybe – maybe Mitch Trubisky is showing them a little bit of what they expected to see a few years ago. Yeah, David Montgomery has a good game in this one from a fantasy standpoint. You got, you know, guys in the Bears, Allen Robinson, obviously there was talk about requesting a trade, but, you know, winning cures a lot. And Allen Robinson kind mm -hmm. of backed off of those comments, backed off of his t Twitter and Instagram, you know, rants and, and unfollowing and all that. But, uh, you know, the Bears, like you said, they sit at 2-0. Trubisky's made more plays than you expected him to. And, you know, he's going to have a chance to continue to be the starting quarterback of this team as long as they're winning football games. So, uh, you know, again, you didn't expect to see the Bears at 2-0, and but they, they start out the, the season with a pretty easy schedule to, to start. And obviously the best player on the opposite side of the field, probably on the field period, uh, going down with the torn ACL, which, mm -hmm. you know, for, for me and a lot of others really uh, put a damper on that fantasy season to start. But uh, we're not alone, as we'll get to. But uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Falcons-Bears coming up this week. We'll get to that later. Uh, we do have Falcons-Cowboys, which you just alluded to. The Cowboys with the comeback win. The onside kick is the story here. I mean, obviously there's fantasy points all over the place in this one. Dak was, I think, 
probably the QB one of the week, uh, if not Russell Wilson. But you, right. you, you have a huge performance out of him. The Falcons were up big in this one, and they they just blow it, and they just don't jump on the onside kick when they could have just they could have just jumped on it. I mean, I just did not understand that. The Falcons find different ways to break your heart. And if you're not going to be a heartbroken Bengals fan and you want to be the, a fan of the, the, the team that's going to break your heart the most in the NFL, it's got to be the Falcons. I think so, yeah. I mean, wow. This is a team that easily could right now be 2-0. and I mean, maybe not easily after week one, but certainly putting up step up and right, sustaining four or five offensive skill position starters so far in terms of, you know, the running back side ends and all three of those receivers and Matty Ice, four touchdowns of his own opposite back this week. So, you know, it's, it, I just, I, you're right about the onside kick. I just like, I don't know how Quinn still has a job, uh, you know, when he lands, like, I, I mean, I know it's not all his fault, but you know, this is supposedly the defensive architect of this team. Um, you know, Ever since they lost Kyle Shanahan, they've really not been able to recreate any semblance of what they had, um, at least in terms of wins, for sure, from that squad. And, and there is a difference between just empty calorie stat, you know, ads and then and like actual wins. And I think that right now this team is the definition of empty calories. And, you know, it's great for us as fantasy fans, but it sucks for Falcons fans and, um, you know, this Cowboys team doesn't look to me like a, a strong defensive unit. So, um, you got to think that they should have put that away. I just like, how does that team respond to that loss and to the last few seasons of not being able to close the deal? It's just, it's mind, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. And we, we really, I mean, we talk a lot about the Cowboys and, and you kind of think that, that we, we should be talking about them underachieving after two weeks. And now we're talking about them in first place in the division because they got lucky and, and kind of came out on top in the end. And that's what you need to do. You need to win close football games. You need to be able to come from behind and win. Uh, but they were a ridiculously bad onside kick performance by Atlanta away from being 0-2 in their own right and an ugly 0-2. Mm-hmm. I mean, Atlanta's not exactly a world beater. So it'll be interesting to see if the, the Cowboys can use the momentum from this game and, and start to uh, to put some things together. But you're right, the defense does not look great. Uh, and, you know, speaking of defenses that, that look really bad, it's the Detroit Lions. I mean, this is another game that they were winning by double digits, that they let your Packers come out and just Aaron Jones taking over in this game. Devontae Adams uh, goes down at a certain point in this game, and, and uh, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers didn't have to do quite as much as he did in week one, but Aaron Jones, 168 yards, which is a career high for him. He also had a 75-yard uh, receiving uh, performance as well. So you got you to gotta love what you see at Aaron Jones, aren't you? I know they, uh, you know, they've got three backs that they use at times, but Aaron Jones is clearly the workhorse three down back in this, in this backfield. For sure. And, you know, if Adams is out for any amount of time, Jones, his value just skyrockets, even against a, a decent Saints defense, which by the way, did get gashed a little bit on Monday night. We'll get there. But th- I think that Aaron Jones right now, like with the, just the wreckage of running back injuries we've seen, I mean, you're, you're hard pressed to find three guys you'd rather have in a PPR league just because of what he brings to the table as a receiver. And um, especially if Adams Hammy is, you know, lingers in any way at all for the Packers. Like this is a team that relies so heavily on Jones in different ways. And I, I mean, you're right. Like, yes, they have Jamal Williams. Yes, A.J. Dillon was drafted to ultimately be, you know, a big-time carrier of the ball for them. But Aaron Jones is, you know, he's the fulcrum of this offense in so many ways. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that he's going to be, you know, like 
whatever you think of like Austin Eckler or like Alvin Kamara probably is a better comparison for him. Like second year Alvin Kamara, I think that that's what you're going to get out of Jones for us this year, as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, he's had quite the trajectory over these last few seasons. I mean, I know I, I remember when he kind of first came on the scene talking to you about oh, what you liked about Aaron Jones and he was actually conceding carries to Jamal Williams at times and, and you had always said this is this is gonna be the guy in this backfield. The the, the Packers just need to, to, to kind of accept that and give him low looks and now that he's he's getting them, I mean he's he's time and time again showing that he could be the most you know, he's a top top five back when he's at his best in the NFL from a fantasy standpoint. For fantasy, for sure. Like, and I, I mean, as a as a Packer fan, he's obviously one of my favorite players on the team. I agree. I mean, he just he does a lot. He's not your classic running back, but that's a good thing because he doesn't. You know, he's obviously a little bit injury prone. So the way to to avoid that is uh, is obviously to get him the ball through the air, and, and they're doing a good job of that. Yeah, the next one, Jaguars Titans. This was an ugly game. Uh, it was close, so it was fun, and I was I was watching it with my brother, so he, he's a big Titans fan. Um, but the Titans kind of pulled this one out. Looked at times like they were going to blow it. You know, they didn't play great. It, it just it was a perfect. We talk about it time and time again. AFC South, just kind of gross yeah. matchup. Uh, but you do you do have a couple a couple guys who kind of come out of a shadow, and that's Corey Davis, who has really been an A.J. Brown's shadow. He he catches a touchdown in this game. Uh, Jonu Smith looks like he could be a legitimate tight end threat with A.J. Brown being down potentially another week here. And then James Robinson uh, goes over 100 yards for the Jaguars. Looks like, you know, they, they, they made the maybe not the right decision moving on from Leonard Fournette, but at least they're making themselves not look as foolish uh, with the performances that he's had. Absolutely. I mean, averaging over six yards a carry for James Robinson, like he has been a phenom for them. And, you know, I, I know we, we joked a lot about the AFC South last week, but I was, again, pretty impressed with Minshew. Three touchdowns on, uh, yeah, 45 attempts, but pretty good over 300 yards again. And we're going to get another electric Jaguars game here on Thursday night. But I, you know, I think that you could do a lot worse, especially with like a second quarterback than Gardner Minshew this year, especially in matchups like the one that he has coming up. So um, I just think that, you know, this isn't a good team by any means, but like it's definitely a team to keep tabs on. Like when you're looking at fantasy players, it's so easy to to gravitate towards the really good offenses and want, you know, like the Michael Hardmans and that sort of thing. And I, I get that because I've been guilty of it many times. But there's still a ton of value in guys like Keelan Cole, you know, and get, there's like every single team has to play, you know, football and they all have to run offensive plays. And that means generally they're not going to get shut out or so someone's going to be scoring points. And when you when you're able to unearth the James Robinsons as you have this year, like, I mean, it can be season savers in many ways. So that's a guy I look at. And I think that's something we should probably try to focus on a little bit more for the rest of the year. I mean, I, I hope he's a season saver with 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 Barkley going down, but I I do agree with you. I mean, Minshew's kind of he's moved into the at least from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know if I'm ready to to say he's in this top half of quarterbacks in the NFL, but he, no, fantasy I, wise, he he's definitely you know not a, not a, like you said, not a bad QB too. I know I had Garoppolo in one league, and I just added Minshew to kind of be that number two quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I think that there's there's value there, and and the other piece of that is. 
they're going to be playing from behind probably quite a bit this year. So he's going to have to air it out. He's got plenty of weapons. You mentioned a couple of those names. They're an interesting team to watch, uh, you know, and, and they remind me a little bit of, of uh, the Buccaneers last year. I, you know, they're probably yeah. not going to be great, but they're going to be in close games every week. They're going to be able to air it out. They're going to put up a lot of points. And with teams that do that, you're going to get fantasy production, like you said, out of a lot of those guys. Yep, totally. DJ Shark, you know, he's going to have his big day here soon. And LaVisca Chenault's a name to watch in the second half of the year. I mean, there's, they're going to get balls, especially in a te- in an offense that, you know, spreads it out. And Jay Gruden likes to throw. And I just, I think that there's, there's going to be stuff here to, to that is going to help teams win games in fantasy every week. All right, Colts-Vikings. I was surprised by this one. I think I pointed out on last week's show that I was a little surprised by Bovada's line on this game, and the Colts ended up looking good. They, they went at 28-11, to 11, and now we're talking about the Vikings. I mean, I, I think the Vikings, Bovada had them favored to win the division, if I'm not mistaken. And better odds than the Packers to win the NFC, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was even on that too. But either way, the Vikings look horrible. This was a, just an absolute, absolutely terrible performance from Kirk Cousins. And Jonathan Taylor, your boy, uh, with kind of his coming out party, obviously Marlon Mack goes down with the, I believe it was an Achilles uh, week one. He's out mm-hmm. for the year. Uh, Jonathan Taylor comes out with 26 carries for 100 yards, 101 yards and a touchdown. Out, outperforming Dalvin Cook. Who would have thought Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson outperformed yeah. Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry in, in a Week 2 matchup? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good call. <laughs> Crazy. I mean, yeah. And, like, the other story is, you know, Naheem Hines was a huge waiver name last week, and he doesn't get a single carry in this game. I, I think mean, he had, like, crazy. one target the whole game. Yeah. And I know that – you know, script dictates that they weren't going to dump it off a lot, but there was a lot made of Phil Rivers, and I'm, I was guilty of this too, a lot made of Phil Rivers dumping the ball off to his receivers or running backs, I'm sorry. And so, um, you know, the the idea was that, obviously, Naeem Hines would be the benefactor of that, and it just turned out to totally not be the case. The benefactor ended up being Mo Ali Cox with Jack, Jack Doyle out, um, five catches for 111 yards for him. I mean, I have no idea where that came from, so... Paris Campbell now out for the season, too, or at least put on IR, and he'll be out for a few weeks. So, you know, this is going to get funneled to just a couple tar- to a couple targets, and I think that that, you know, this is an offense to, to look at because of Phil Rivers' increasing familiarity, because of the coaching staff I've said I really like time and time again, and because of Jonathan Taylor being, you know, a different kind of threat out of the backfield than this team has had in years and years. So I, I look at the Colts, especially in those ugly games against the AFC South, as a team that might have some decent fantasy prominence here. Yeah, Campbell was another big fantasy addition on the waiver wire last week. Obviously, him going on IR, that's not great for the folks that that spent uh, the the free agency money to get him. But, um, you know, Indianapolis, another team that that, that definitely has some names to keep an eye on out there on the waiver wire uh, as we look ahead. What about Buffalo and Miami? Uh, You know, Buffalo, I think that, We've both been critical, not super critical, but critical enough of Josh Allen. I think this was a game where he kind of showed us, at least showed me that that this this could be this could be something for Buffalo. I mean, obviously they're going to have New England to deal with at some point a couple times this year. Uh, you've got Diggs with eight for one fifty three and a touchdown, huge performance from him. Uh, they're kind of spreading the things out in the backfield. Uh, Miami obviously has some some good performances here too. Gaskin's a guy that uh, I know a lot of people are keeping on because you know he gets a lot of looks out of the backfield. Uh, Devontae Parker wasn't supposed to play in this one. He still catches a touchdown. And then uh, Mike Kosicki, uh, who's a tight end that uh, a lot of people were looking at in the waiver 
wire this week as well. Yeah, Gasicki is super interesting because he almost never lines up as an actual tight end for them. So, like, if you're looking for a pass-catching tight end, as we, so many of us are, especially heading into bye week, that's a guy definitely to look at. And um, it was interesting because Tredavious White is basically, like, one of the top three or four lockdown cover corners that you want to avoid in fantasy. But he was locked up on Preston Williams rather than Devontae Parker. And um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how both those guys are able to to explode maybe in the next few weeks. But I was impressed with Miami again. Look, it, we obviously Josh Allen's awesome, but you know, uh, and you don't want to talk empty calories. This Miami defense is a joke. Um, you know, if so you, bad. The, the Dolphins scoring 28 though with Fitzmagic, magic. And we know how many careers he's helped make. I just like, again, much like the Jaguars, I would just not like immediately discount this offense from being somewhat useful. Just, because they're the Dolphins and because they're 0-2 and likely to be, like, you know, in the top pick range. So I think that, you know, again, Fitzpatrick's made a lot of careers. We're likely to see two at some point this year. And I I wouldn't avoid any of those four pieces that we've mentioned amongst the skill guys on this offense. Is Jaguars-Dolphins tomorrow? We'll get to it. But is that, like, the new version of uh, (laughs) Falcons-Buccaneers? Just just empty points, just, like, ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I it'll be fun for that reason. I mean, it's, it, or it'll be horrible. One of the two. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about was. it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah. wish he, I wish he was too. I miss him. All right. Niners jets. We, we kind of uh, hinted at this in the early, uh, in the open, but uh, the Niners, just a ton of injuries on you. I mean, they lose Mostert. They lose Garoppolo. Potentially he may play with the high ankle sprain. They lose uh, Nick Bosa. And uh, this team, I mean, obviously Tevin Coleman looks like he's going to miss time as well. I mean, they're just they're they're kind of, uh, Solomon Thomas too. I mean, every everybody yeah. basically on this team is out for the year. But uh, just 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 brutal. Kittle, yeah, he may be back this week, but who who knows? I it, the Niners now sitting at one and one. They still get the win, but this is probably a, a game where they came out thinking and feeling like they lost, even though they beat the Lily Jets. Yeah, for sure. I agree. And I think that it'll be more of the same next week if they aren't able to just whoop up on the, a Giants team that's not going to have Sterling Shepard and, of course, Saquon Barkley. So it's it's not a good place to be for the Niners. And, you know, we warn people all, you know, all preseason, really, just like, hey, this isn't a team. Like, I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs, but I would not be betting on them to win the division because they are just a year removed from being so bad. And They might be know, the worst I'm, team in the division now. I, I think they might be on in standings, wise they definitely are. So, um, but I mean, yeah. even as this thing shakes out as the year goes on, I, yeah. I, I mean, they'll get healthier, but I, they might yeah. be the worst team in that division, and that might be the best division in football. So that's you know, but it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah, I I think it's going to be fascinating because, like, assuming those guys do get healthy, assuming you get Debo and Kittle and Mostert and Kevin Coleman and Jimmy Garoppolo and all these guys back, except for you know, their defense, obviously, but their offense, it should be in a place in like four or five weeks where they're, you know, they're back to what they were, but is that going to be too late? I mean, the division may race away from them at that point. And, you know, the NFC is not getting any easier either. So I think that it's, it's a great call. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they, they change their plan at all. Assuming Nick Mullins is quarterback this week, I'm assuming not, but yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah, Sherman went down too. I mean, this is this is a it's a sad situation for 49ers fans, and uh, you know, I, I know one or two of them, but um, <laughs> you, you hate to yeah. see it. You do, you do. Lifelong fans. 
Yeah, but you're, you you made a call earlier this year, aren't you, in the, the sleeper pick kind of for your – I don't know if you said they were your Super Bowl pick, but you liked the, the line that they were given, and that's the Rams. And I, I have to point out, I, I said this when the trade happened, but you made a genius trade in our fantasy league, which was uh, trading away uh, Daniel Jones, Sammy Watkins – and David Johnson, all off on the heels of pretty pretty good performances. Obviously, Watkins had his one good performance that he has a year. Um, and you were able to obtain Jared Goff and Miles Sanders. Obviously, the injury risk with Miles Sanders, but this was right, you know, right. I think it was right after the Sunday games of Week One that it's you right made the trade. Right actually. after Thursday. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So which was so mm-hmm. you had the David Johnson performance already, and you had the Sammy Watkins performance already. I mean. Those are the types of trades that win leagues. But not only did you make a great trade there, and this is a fantasy show, so I wanted to give you props for it, but also I think you're onto something with this Rams team. And I, I agreed with you. Um, I, I think that they, they, they kind of set up nicely. They have some issues with injuries in the backfield. Um, but I think this team could be fun. And obviously it's the Eagles, so you don't want to get too excited about it. Uh, but this Rams team, I, I, feel like, I feel like they're going to be a team to keep an eye on as, as the season goes on because they just have so many different weapons on the offensive side of the ball and a ton of playmakers on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, yeah, that was my reasoning. I appreciate that. I, you know, you made a pretty interesting Rams-related trade this week as well, getting Daryl Henderson, and now you've got the full complement of the three-headed monster in that backfield, which I think is, you know, if if one of those guys emerges, like, no question league winner type of potential there. But, you know, beyond that, like, even if you've got two, I think that get, the way that they use those guys, I mean, they, they can totally – use them in a way where you're able to flex one and then have one be an RB two. And especially because just look at the two weeks we've had, I mean, Malcolm Brown was an RB one in week one and Daryl Henderson was an RB two or a good RB two last week based on his performance. So I think that it's like, you know, they catch the ball, they run the ball, they score touchdowns. There's no pride there as far as like who catches, who throws it, who runs it, you know, I, I like, and I think that that in some ways, it makes it worthwhile um, to not pay it down for those guys. But like when you're able to acquire them cheaply as you've been able to do, I think that it puts you in a great spot to, to really capitalize. And I mean, Daryl Henderson looks awesome. I mean, he, he, the way he caught, caught and ran the ball. I think that he's, I really liked him last year. I thought that, you know, I, I paid down pretty heavily for him um, in a league for sure. And uh, it didn't end up coming to fruition, but I think that this year, he just looks the part of a guy that, like, you know, he, he's just he could be a multifaceted piece of that puzzle. And I just I, I'm interested. I'm very interested to see how they. I feel like like it's one of those addition by subtractions where they lost Todd Gurley, but they now don't feel beholden to him. You know, exactly. and they're able to use the guy that they need to to get the job done. And we didn't even talk about Cam Akers, who I think you and I both agree is going to end up being probably their most productive back by the end of the season, or at least the one who's getting the most looks because he's just talent-wise, he's probably going to end up uh, surpassing those other guys. But there are injuries in that backfield. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if if those guys can get healthy because all three of them have been hurt at times. But I I think at some point, and I, you know, my – where I drafted Acres in two different leagues, I I'm very high on him long term. But yeah. I, you know, when you draft somebody like that, that it, it, it's a high risk, potentially high reward situation. And I, I do feel good about having the other two backs in that backfield for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes you make that pickup, but you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, all right, well, if this doesn't work out, I know I've got Henderson and Brown, or just one of the two at the time. So 
like to have all three is just such a good place to be because no matter what happens pretty much the rest of the year, you've got, you know, you can dress, you know, you can start one and it, it may not feel great every single week, but you know that there's a chance that one of them just pops off and you started the right one. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I hope that's how it plays out, but the Eagles on the other side of the football, I mean, it's, it's going to get ugly quick if they, uh, this is who the Bengals play. We'll talk about it, but Carson Wentz just does not look comfortable in the pocket. He's thrown off his back foot a lot. You know, Jalen Rager goes down for, he's down six to eight weeks. They put him on IR. This is just, it's getting uglier and uglier for these Eagles. And uh, I don't see it getting, I mean, they'll, they'll win Sunday, but uh, I just, I don't see it getting much better for this Eagles team. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not good to lose Rager. Obviously Um, they were using Deshaun Jackson more They get Miles Sanders back. That helps, but there is something off with Lance for sure, because that, that's just not how it's supposed to look, especially with him. Um, and, and he looks as bad as he's looked, you know, through three years of his career. So I think that I do expect better days. Obviously, the Bengals are a little bit of an easier opponent than Jalen Ramsey in this, this defense. But, I, you know, they I just don't know if they've got the horses. When you take Rager out of the mix, I mean, you've got Goddard and Ertz. Sanders is going to get the ball quite a bit. But, like, who's getting the ball on the perimeter? I'm just – I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it, there's not much there, unfortunately. All right, well, let, let's get this one over with, Anshu. We've got Steelers-Broncos, obviously another game where we saw significant injuries. Phillip Lindsay was already hurt. Uh, you had Drew Locke go down early. They fought back. I mean, Jeff Driscoll kind of kept them in this game, interestingly enough, but uh, ultimately the Steelers uh, were too much, and it's that defense. Bud Dupree, I mean, he's he's a guy that you just, as an AFC North you know rival, you he's a guy that scares you like, Ray Lewis did for, for so many years. I mean, he's just, he looks that good. Uh, the other thing here was Benny Snell. He was a guy that after week one, obviously has a big performance with Connor going down. They said they were going to split carries evenly in week two. He gets almost no production. I know a lot of guys in all four leagues that I'm in put a lot of money down to get Snell on the waiver wire. And he probably is going to be a guy that's droppable. I I think at this point, if, if Connor can stay healthy, but uh, anything else here? Obviously, Cortland, Cortland Sutton goes down. Judy's a little bit banged up, too. Just just kind of a, a, a sad situation for the Broncos. They're basically the Niners of the AFC. Yeah, pretty much, except for they weren't very good to start with, and now they're really they're really screwed. So, you know, they're just going to have to buy their time until Locke comes back, and, you know, hopefully they're thinking four or five weeks. But I, I don't know. A shoulder AC joint is just a rough one for quarterbacks. Um, you know, I know you don't want to belabor the Pittsburgh point, but Deontay Johnson, eight catches, 92 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets that that'll get it done, especially after I was worried about him after week one. Um, and I traded him actually in a league. He's a little banged I, up too, though. Isn't he dealing with a turf toe injury or a foot injury of some kind? It might yeah. be right. That, I mean, he was definitely banged up last week going in, but you know, he had so many drops in week one and he still had a touchdown, but um, he also had a punt return touchdown called back in this game that was pretty iffy. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm very interested to see because it looked – in the first half of week one, it looked like it was going to be the juju show for this year. But Deontay Johnson now looks like Roethlisberger's, you know, preferred target. And so how that gets broken out I think will be um, an interesting storyline. But I, I also want to say, like, I don't know how much you've watched Roethlisberger. I assume you've averted your eyes at every possible moment. but. He definitely like he and Breeze only to both, root against, right? <laughs> he and Breeze both look do not look 
too sharp to me, um, at least with their arm strength and driving the ball down the field and, and Brady too, which I'm sure we'll get to. And it was something you called out very early, but it's just something to keep an eye on because, you know, they've got all the weapons, but I'm just not sure that Roethlisberger still got it in that arm. Yeah, there's a few of those quarterbacks. You mentioned Brady, and uh, he did have a bounce-back game. Not not a crazy game through the air. And, you know, with this Buccaneers team, especially against Carolina and Christian McCaffrey going down, which I know, you know, you didn't feel great about. And then Teddy Bridgewater not looking too great as well in this game. I mean, Brady had a pretty pretty easy day, but Mike Evans gets healthy. They were without Chris Godwin, who's now cleared con- concussion protocol and will play this week. But, yeah, I mean, the Buccaneers, they get back to one-and-one. They win, but it wasn't super convincing in my eyes. And, and Gronkowski looks like a shell of himself out there. For sure. I mean, the storyline fantasy-wise, other than McCaffrey's injury, of course, it has to be Leonard Fournette. Absolutely. 12 carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, this was the Fournette show. Iced and, it with the 40, uh, what was it, 46-yarder to ice the game, too? I mean, he he looked spry out there that game. He looked, he looked good. I mean, he looked like he had something to prove for sure, and um, more so than, you know, his other teammates that may have joined this last offseason. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think Brady at this point, to me, looks like a game manager, um, which is fine because he's, he's one of the best to ever do it from that perspective. But, like, for those that were hoping for, like, this explosion, this Saints-esque explosion, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you're going to get the same kind of production you got with Jameis at quarterback last year from a fantasy perspective. No that's way. just the honest truth. So Yeah, not um, even close. But that's crazy to think about, you know, because, like, Mike Evans was inflated, and I, I was guilty of taking him in a league or two, and, you know, Godwin, too. And, you know, everyone kind of assumed that these guys were all going to blow up because of Brady. But, you know, the way it's looking right now, I, I mean uh, – I don't, I don't know that that's going to manifest itself. I, I have no idea how it's going to look down the line this year. They'll, they'll both. I think they're still going to both be very productive, you know, wide receiver one type situation. But you, you look at like Atlanta, it, it kind of similarly. Right. Like you're, you, you have Ridley, who's been the guy really the first two weeks of the season. I know Julio had a, a pretty good game week one, but he's. He was extremely quiet in week two. And, you know, you're going to have that with guys like Mike Evans and Godwin. You're going to have, you know, your your wide receiver 1A and, and 1B. And sometimes, you know, one of them is going to have their, their day and the other's not. Uh, and it'll mm-hmm. it'll kind of flip-flop around. But you're right. I, I, don't, I don't see Brady having too many 400-yard games, I would say. Right. You're not going to get that type of Matt Ryan, you know, overall production that you're going to get uh, that you would see in, uh, with somebody like that. But even Or even Jameis. Like, honestly, yep. he sustained both those dudes as what wide receiver one slash twos. I, I mean, what I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know there are going to be a lot of weeks where both those guys are doing it for you, where, I, right. you know, maybe coming in, you might have thought that they could do it. Yeah, that's I think that's fair. All right, yeah. we, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the other teams in the division here, but, uh, well, besides the Seahawks, which we'll get to, but the Cardinals 30-15 uh, to 15 over Washington. This was an ugly game. I watched a little bit of it. Kyler Murray – He's good, and I, I can't stand watching him because he's just a little mouse running around. I mean, he's just so little, and nobody can catch him, and this is a good Washington front four. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm a believer now. I've, obviously, he's got, the, in my opinion, the best receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins. He's got, uh, you know, Kenyon Drake, who I think will ultimately be a very productive back this year, uh, both fantasy-wise and just football-wise. And then Chase Edmonds is a good sp- – uh, spell for for Drake as well. There there's just there's a lot of weapons on this team. You know, their 2 and 0 is they beat the Niners, they were banged up and they now beat the Washington football team. I want to see them play somebody. Uh and I'm not saying the Niners aren't somebody, but I want to see them 
play Seattle. You know, I, I don't, I'm not ready to buy in a hundred percent, but I, I think as it stands today, and obviously they proved it last week, the Cardinals are a better team than the Niners. Yeah, I, I think I agree. At least as currently constructed, I, I definitely agree. And yeah, I mean, the Murray thing is such a mind fuck is like, you know, they're, they really are just a college football team. You know, I mean, it's a college offense. They spread out for receivers all the, all the time. They love running draws. Kyler Murray runs the ball eight care eight times for what sixty eight, eight times for sixty seven yards and two touchdowns. He's throwing the ball thirty eight times on top of that. I mean, the usage rate is insane for a quarterback that's that small, and um, it's just hard to wrap your head around because it's so collegey. But it's absolutely working. Um, the defense is playing much better. I know this is just this Washington offense, which I think is pretty dreadful, generally speaking. Obviously, but like Haskins is not good. No, no. I mean, yeah, they're like you couldn't have a bigger contrast in terms of rookies or player first rounders from that draft class. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I want to see the Cardinals play. You know, I just I'm just very curious about them as the season goes along because they're they're so fascinating and so different from anything we've really seen recently. Yeah, which which is a fun storyline. Uh, in right. We'll be excited to watch it. The rookie quarterback that uh, gets the, the the first look after Joe Burrow ends up being Justin Herbert on you and the Chargers, and he looked really good doing it. We find out later that Tyrod Taylor got his lung punctured when he was uh, getting a, a shot before the game, and uh, you know there's a lot of controversy surrounding their medical staff, which is uh, not ideal for a team. But the Chargers end up blowing this game. I mean, they they blew it, man. They had it. The Chiefs did not look great. They looked pedestrian. Mahomes did what he needed to do when he needed to do it, and that was at the end of the game, forcing overtime. And then, obviously, Butker kicks the 58-yarder to win it in overtime. But the Chargers had this game. I mean, they, they looked good. The defense, obviously, is very good for this Chargers team. But the Chiefs, they look – I mean, you, you have uh, one or two of these games from the Chiefs every year. But they, mm. they didn't look like the world beaters that won the Super Bowl last year. They looked like a team that's that's beatable. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this Monday night looks. But uh, what did you think of, of the Chiefs' performance? Agreed completely. I felt like they, you know, it was a mix of things. In one On one end, I, I think they were sleepwalking through this. They had their eyes on Monday night in the game of the year, probably to date, for sure to date, maybe what we will look at in the end as the game of the year as well um, against the Ravens this Monday. But I, you know, the other part of it is just like, you know, the Chargers did this to the Bengals last week, the Bengals run game last week. I just think that, you know, they're going to be a really tough team to contend with as far as like, you're not going to be able to just slam the ball down their throats. And then when you pass, they've got, you know, Joey, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and it's not easy to throw on them. So, and Casey Hayward's a really good corner. So I think that like, you know, what you saw out of Edward Hilaire, who looked like you know, a league winner in week one. And this week he goes 10 for 38 um, and then six catches for 32 yards. Like, I think that that when you combine all that, I, I just, the Chargers are built to stop, you know, the short stuff and make you beat them. And usually you'd think that Patrick Mahomes would be able to do that. But um, I, I think that the Chargers deserve a lot of credit for what their defense looks like. And I, I don't think they'll be an easy out by any means for any team. Um, the Herbert thing is just fascinating to me because it sounds like Taylor is going to, remain their starter, which I know Herbert might play this week and yeah, he might win it. Yeah, win the they, job. They, it is weird like, that Lynn's decided to stick with Taylor when he's healthy. I just – it was – did you see his comments about it? He said that he couldn't – like he had to basically take pieces, chunks out of the playbook, right? Right, and, 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 he, and, he, and he like made an adamant statement. And he said, we didn't win the, the damn game, you know, like like – 
he played really well. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he ran the ball, he took hits, and it was like your your coach basically said you didn't do you didn't do dick. I mean, is basically what Anthony, and that's fine, you know, if he's given him the rookie treatment or whatever. But Tyrod Taylor against the Bengals, the Bengals, who just give up, who made Baker Mayfield look like a like like a rock star. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor was horrible, overthrew every single receiver. I mean, I just you don't. You, I, I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because he's actually a, a decent football player and he's had good years. He took the Bills to the playoffs. He is just like he's he's way past bad. whatever prime was for him. And you have a guy in Justin Herbert who is really exciting and, you know, I, I feel like he's kind of the prototypical quarterback that you want in the NFL. And mm-hmm. he's got a really strong arm. I just don't know why after seeing that performance against the best team in the NFL, you wouldn't just, you know, ride that wave. I don't either. I mean, I, I really don't like the, the idea that, you know, so Anthony Lynn saying, I can't get to certain things in my playbook because Herbert's not fully familiar with it. But, dude, like, then change your playbook because he is way better at the, the even if it's a handful of plays. You know, I mean, it seems like he got to a lot in his mind, in my mind. I mean, he completed 22 passes. Like Keenan Allen goes for a hundred yards when he couldn't get, you know, 10 yards against the Bengals defense with Tyrod. So I, I just, I don't really understand the logic. Like good is good. And, and it's clear that Herbert's better than Tyrod right now. Yeah. Anthony Lynn, if, if, if he rides Tyrod Taylor's coattails, he could be uh it could be a very short lived career in, in uh, LA for him. But uh, what about the Ravens? I, I know we're going to talk more about uh, Monday night here in a few minutes, but the Ravens with a big win over the Texans. Texans, I just I feel bad for Deshaun uh, Watson. I, I just this yeah. team's not good. Uh, like I said, I thought you did a really good thing by getting out of uh, the the David, and he'll have good games if he stays healthy. But the David Johnson situation, I just don't love a, a, a running back in a Texans uniform, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's just not going to be smooth sledding there, and obviously. You know, Brandon Cooks has a decent game, but I just I, – I don't know. This offense is just kind of piecework together with a lot of washed-up players. Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller gets goose-egged in this game after looking like, you know, a potential wide receiver two or, like, high wide receiver two, I thought, after week one. I mean, to get zero target, zero catches. I know he was banged up a little bit, but that's, you know, that's just par for the course with him. So that's very unfortunate. They need to figure stuff out because – Watson's just way too good. And, you know, it's tough. You open up the season with the Chiefs and the Ravens, but you got to look better than this. This was, they looked, you know, when you play those two teams, you're just hoping to look competitive. They didn't look competitive at all against either of them. And that's not a good sign. They looked like a bad team to me. Um, Ravens you know, didn't I, look great either. They didn't do a lot. I mean, Lamar Jackson has yeah. a very mediocre game for him. He didn't put up a lot of numbers. You, you know, they, they kept the stars in check. Hollywood Brown didn't do too much. Mark Andrews had a quiet day with only one catch. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram obviously iced uh-huh. it with a big touchdown, but there just wasn't a lot of production uh, from Baltimore fantasy-wise, and they still easily walked, sleepwalked to a win, basically, in this one. Yeah, it felt like uh, one of those battle of attrition games. Like, their defense obviously played really, really well, uh, but offensively, they were – they did, it felt like they knew they were going to win, and they just kind of, like, canned all their good stuff to save for their Chiefs next week. Um, that that was my impression. I, I think both those teams look pretty sloppy, but I expect Monday night to be a, a wild one for sure. So we had the game of the week, in my opinion, on Sunday night. I mean, I, I don't know how yeah. anybody could disagree with it, but this came down to oh, a Cam Newton uh, delayed run with as time expired that would have won the game. The Seahawks went at 35-30. to 30. 
Russell Wilson, I mean, he he basically had a perfect game, if not for a tip ball by Greg Olson to start things out. Has, has ends up having five touchdowns right after that. Uh, he, I mean, he's the, the 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 top of the MVP conversation right now. You, you you like what you see out of the Patriots, although the defense is not even a shell of what that that uh, defense from a year ago was. Very true. But but they still do look very good and interesting behind Cam Newton and Julian Edelman. All those years with Tom Brady ends up having a career high in receiving yards in this game. <laughs> That's so wild. And he made a couple unreal plays. He also dropped another touchdown that would have made his day just otherworldly. But um, yeah, I mean. So, so impressive. And I felt like, you know, with Cam, he still looked like very rusty to me. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, obviously, the numbers were great. You know, he was running the ball like crazy, probably more than what the Patriots would have wanted, I would think. But at times he didn't look comfortable, though. You're right. At times he did, but at times he didn't. And and I feel like that part of the, the reason for that is the lack of weapons and the lack of comfort with the weapons that he has. I, I don't know what they're going to do about this backfield. They get Damian Harris back next week, hopefully. I know they're hoping that they do. And it just convolutes an already messy situation. I, I don't know. There's not really a guy in that backfield that you like. Sony Michelle has been horrible. Uh, Rex Burkett hasn't gotten it going. I mean, James White obviously had the, the tragedy. But th- there's just mm-hmm. there's a lot to not like. Nikhil Harry, like at times he looks great, and then he makes mistakes. I just... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't love the weapons Cam has around him, and I don't love the fact that their defense doesn't look very good. But I do think Cam Newton still has it when healthy. I mean, I, I, yeah. you're right. He, he didn't look comfortable all the time, but he clearly still has a lot of talent left in that arm. Totally. Yeah, I, I you know, it's so interesting because, you know, when he got good in Carolina, like really good at Carolina, like MVP level good, it was – it just looked so smooth and almost effortless for him. Like even his runs just looked, and I, you know, some of that credit has to go to the offensive coordination, obviously, but um, you know, McDaniels is no flash when it comes to that as well. So I, yeah, like I just expect it to look cleaner and it felt like very, just very disjointed. Um, so I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out over the next few weeks and months. And, you know, they've got some cupcakes, cupcakes coming up on their schedule in division and uh that should help smooth things over as well but um you know i mean like you said like the, the floor is just so high because the talent is so good with cam and um you know they're they're obviously a threat but you're right i mean i think the greater point here is either the patriots defense is not nearly what they were last year or russell wilson is just that insanely good right now and on another planet with his uh, his efficiency yeah i agree uh what about the last game of the week monday night what better game to have an upset than the first game in Las Vegas. I mean, I, I don't know if many people were betting on the Raiders to win this first home game in this. I, I, I think uh, I think it was Barstool Big Cat called it the Roomba, the stadium. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I had not heard that. Um, but, yeah, the, the Death Star, the Roomba, whatever you want to call it, very cool uh, black stadium. The, the, the chairs are all black. I mean, that's going to be a fun stadium to have people pack in oh, uh, when it sure. does. But the Saints, I, I mean – See, Drew Brees, you and you kind of alluded to this earlier when we were talking about Big Ben. I can't believe I just called him that. Uh, the, the the Saints behind Drew Brees, I don't know about it. Obviously, Michael Thomas is hurt. Kamara looked amazing in this game. Um, you know, Traquan Smith had had a, a, a decent game, but Emmanuel Sanders was blanked. Michael Thomas is maybe not back for a couple more weeks, and Drew Brees just missed so many passes uh, in this game. Oh. Derek Carr. Looked. I remember a few years ago we talked. We were talking about the Raiders. You know, as potentially a, a, a candidate to win the AFC. I mean, they they could. 
I don't know about the receiving core, but Josh Jacobs is the real deal. Darren Waller is maybe one of the top five best tight ends in the league right now. He has a career night. The Raiders are interesting to me if their defense can play. I agree. I mean, they're they're. This was not a game. I mean, we expected them to cover. I thought that the line was kind of silly at Bovada, to be honest. And, and but I think that at the end of the day, like they, I just expected the Saints to be the Saints, and I found myself just waiting and waiting, and it never happened. And you know, obviously Michael Thomas being out is such a huge factor for them. But Drew Brees, like you say, like he just it just doesn't look right. The timing's off. He alluded to it after the game. I have the utmost trust in in Tayden and Breeze, but I man, and of course the Packers are playing in the Superdome next Sunday, but no crowd is going to help with that. And I, you know, it's getting it's it's a big game for them already because that defense is supposed to be Super Bowl caliber. You don't give up, you know, thirty four points to the Raiders if you if you are that kind of defense. Yeah, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by <clears throat> that Raiders offense against what we expect to be a good defense in the Saints, to your point. So, yeah, uh, those are going to be two teams to see kind of where that trajectory goes. But, Anshu, let's get to week three. Want to go kind of rapid fire. We're going to run through Bovada's lines here on the games this weekend. Starting with Thursday night football, it's the Battle of Florida. Everyone calls it that. Miami <laughs> at Jacksonville. The Jaguars, three-point <laughs> favorites at home. 48 is the over-under here on Bovada. We just talked about the fact that we could see a lot of points. I I think I like the over in this one. Uh, Even though, you know, Thursday night games can be a little wonky, I think these two teams are going to put up points. Yeah, I I can see it. Like you said, Thursday nights are just weird. And, you know, it feels like we watch these two teams play every year on Thursday night. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm vaguely excited about this. Again, both these teams are teams we talked about having – got to find – starter somewhere and both these teams offer like you know legitimate three down caliber running backs eventually potentially like miles gaskins getting the ball quite a bit i just i like i want to see Minshew again against an even worse defense if he's able to do it three weeks in a row it feels like it might be more real and um they're talking about making him their their franchise quarterback and potentially not drafting a quarterback next year yeah that's that's i mean who would have thought that I, I I cannot imagine if they're if they're in a position to take Fields or Lawrence. There's just I don't see that happening. But who knows? I mean, it could happen because like they're they have the chance to steal a couple games here and there. They could easily be two and zero right now. They could have easily beaten the Titans last week, and you know they, they could be two and one after this, which is crazy to say, but it's a it's very a very real possibility. So um, I actually I like the Jaguars here. I think that they'll be able to get it done. All right, what about uh, Bears-Falcons? Atlanta's at home trying to bounce back after a heartbreaker. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bears. I'm a little surprised by the line, but uh, mm-hmm. I do I do expect that the Falcons bounce back here. Um, but you never know with this team. There's so much volatility with this team, even from quarter to quarter, uh, that I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably a stay away for me, but uh, are there any storylines you're following in this one? I mean, I think it's one of the biggest storylines. Not that either of these teams, to me, are, are real threats to make any real noise, even though the Bears are 2-0. and I just, like, can the Falcons come off the mat? Because that is as crippling a loss as you will ever have. Like, to go into, that's such a dagger, um, you know, relative to where they where they could have easily been, given that that game was well in hand. So, um, you know, can Matt Ryan sustain his production all these weapons against this Bears defense? I, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I'm all over the Falcons, though. I think they will come off the mat in this game. All right, Bengals, Eagles, I, I, I'm i not surprised. Five-point favorites are the Eagles on Bovada. 46-and-a-half. I, I, 
I like the over. I think uh, I think Carson Wentz is just going to light up the Bengals' defense. I, I do. I, I don't. I don't think he's looked good. But this is the type of game that you would expect a quarterback that hasn't looked good to look good. And I just expect more out of uh, Joe Burrow. I think. I think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I think they're going to try to get Joe Mixon involved. And uh, you know, I think that uh, both of these teams are going to score points. It's just a matter of which one of them can get a stop first. And to be honest, it's whoever probably has the ball last that's going to win this game. <laughs> I love the call on going with the over here. I think that's more interesting to me than the line because it, it seems about right. Um, but, you know, they're, the Bengals are making no bones about throwing the ball as much as possible, and I, I love it. I mean, you got to get, get this guy reps. Every pass is a rep, you know, and so I think it's great for him. It's going to be against a much better defense. Um, well, maybe not much better than he's faced the last two weeks, but it's not going to be a super easy, you know, effort either. So, uh, good defensive line. I, I worry about Joe Mixon through three weeks because I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of room to run there against Fletcher Cox and you know Malik Jackson and some of the guys they've got on that defensive front. But I, th- for that reason, I think they'll be able to pass quite a bit, and um, I expect another really good game out of Joe Burrow. As long as he doesn't get hurt. That line is yeah, atrocious. That's fair. <laughs> All right. What about uh, Texans Steelers? Uh, Steelers are four-point favorites at home. I mean, the Steelers just open up the season to a pretty easy schedule here. I I think that uh, you know that the, the playing a pretty pretty easy schedule throughout this year because of uh, the underperformance last year, uh, they could be a team that goes to the playoffs this year. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, regrettably, I think that that's probably the case. And man, if you're the Texans, you have to open up with you know Chiefs, Ravens, and then not that the Steelers are quite in that class, but then they go on the road and have the to defense do that. is the defense is in that class. They're not yeah, in that class as a team, but the defense. I mean. You're playing against three really tough defenses with three with a lot of great playmakers, and Deshaun Watson's going to get he's just going to get his ass kicked again. I know. I yeah. I think that the Steelers end up winning this. But there's just there's no one for Watson to go to right now. It's it's so bad. The cupboard's so bare, and I I feel for him because I really do think that he's a top top tier quarterback. But you know the numbers bear it out. The guy's just not quite. He's just not. I don't think he's going to have a very good season. You'll you'll have your blow up weeks, but we're already seeing what happens. You know, against good defenses, and the Chiefs aren't even that good of a defense. He still wasn't able to to go wild on them. So I worry about Deshaun Watson from a fantasy perspective too. Agreed. All right, Raiders Patriots. This all of a sudden becomes a very fun game. Uh, the Patriots mm-hmm. are six point favorites at home, but the Vegas Raiders are two and zero, aren't you? Man, yeah, and, you know, it's not an easy 2-0 either by any means. So um, I do think the Patriots, like, that was a loss, and, you know, Belichick's obviously all pissed off about it, but they that was basically a win in my mind. Like, to look like that in week two against the way that Russell Wilson's playing is, you know, it's not a win, but it, it felt like one on uh, on Monday to me. So I think that it – I do think that the Patriots come off the mat. I just think that they're such a better team than the Raiders. You know, the Raiders have looked good. And are probably more well rounded. I I just I don't I can't imagine the Patriots losing two in a row. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I I want I want the Raiders to win and I, I, I will be a believer in them if they can win and, and especially oh, yeah. if they can do it somewhat convincingly. But even with no fans in the stadium, I think New England comes out on top in this one and probably covers. Mm-hmm. All right, Rams Bills. This is one of the games of the weekend, and it's going to oh, go man. because it's in that twelve o'clock slot, and you got other big games in that slot. There probably won't be as many eyes on it, but I, I love this game. I think it's an interesting matchup. You're not going to see these two teams play each other too often, and mm-hmm. uh, these are two teams kind of at their peak early in the season. Interestingly enough, if the Rams come into this a little healthier than they were to start out the week, uh, I, I just. 
I, I, my eyes are going to be locked. I love the line. Two two point favorites for the Bills at home. No Bills Mafia, but uh, this is a fun one. For sure. I mean, let's let's just call it what it is. The Bills haven't really played a tough opponent, but they've done what good teams, really good teams, do to bad teams, and that is just kill them. And you know, because of how good Russell Wilson has been, and how good Lamar Jackson is, and Rodgers and Mahomes, like. I'm not sure that Josh Allen has gotten his due, but his numbers are absurd, and uh, he's very much in that realm for MVP right now. So this is the kind of game an MVP puts, you know, puts a, a show on for. But I think that this Rams team is just that good. I like the underdogs on the road. I, I think that the Rams go in there and win. I know you love that Rams team. All right, what about the <laughs> Niners Giants? I- if you would have looked at this game and said Saquon was going to be out before this season started, you would have expected the line to be, I don't know, 14, 13. The Niners come in on the road as four-point favorites against this Giants team that is wow. extremely banged up. I just – I can't believe this line I'm seeing here on Bovada, but uh, I almost <laughs> – I almost wouldn't be confident in taking the four points. Obviously, they, they may be without Garoppolo. We don't know that yet, uh, so you're taking a risk there, but – I don't know, aren't you? 41 and a half over under? Oh. That's kind of, is this kind of what we were talking about earlier? Like, it wouldn't shock me at all if Kyle Shanahan got a lead and just tried to get the hell out of there and avoid any more injuries on that grass and that like for the second straight week. So, I mean, I it, it would not surprise me at all if, if the Giants covered it because I think that Daniel Jones is somehow going to be the best quarterback in this game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> this Giants team is, is horrible. And uh, I just, even if, it, again, this is just so crazy to me. If you lined up the 10 best players on the Niners, I, how many of them are going to be playing in this game for them? Like it, like the 10 best players at the beginning of the season. I think maybe two, maybe one. I mean, it's insane to me where they're at. And, yeah, uh, it, it, might, it might be one. I mean, they're missing their two running backs, their best receiver, their tight end, their quarterback, two of their best offensive or defensive linemen, and their best corner. Yep. Maybe okay. zero. But other than that, it's great. <laughs> Was that 10? Yeah. It sounded like 10. Good gosh. Yeah, I mean, their their left tackle is, is probably, you know, their best offensive line. He's healthy. The offensive line's relatively healthy. So, fine, you've got that going for you. But you don't even have your two best right. Like, it's insane to me where they're at and that they're still four-point favorites on the road. That's that's wild. That's a real testament to Kyle Shanahan. So, and, and 2020 and just end already. I know. <laughs> it's wild. Good God. I'm just but, glad. Uh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm a Bengals fan in 0 and 2, and not a Niners fan winning games. Everything is good. Tweets from 12:31:19. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, this is going to be one. That, this could be the the dumpster dumpster fire of the week. I mean, I, I I just I want the Niners to to kind of rebound and get back to making that division even more competitive than it's going to be without them. But I I, I don't know, man. I just. They're so banged up, but the Giants, that's that's a good that's you, you would want a team like that across the ball from you if you needed to get healthy and get back. Yeah, um, for sure. But for but sure. what what about Titans Vikings? This one's interesting. Uh the Titans are two and oh, the Vikings are 0 and two. Um the Vikings absolutely need this one, but they're two and a half point underdogs at home on Bovada. The, the, I don't know, aren't you? Because Kirk Cousins at times will kind of have like that that game where it's like okay well that's why they paid him all that money that's why he's the starting quarterback of a playoff team is the titans a game that you could see that happening in or is this vikings team as bad as they've looked oh, both <laughs> i mean they have been that bad they were so bad in, in indy and um you know obviously against green bay i i don't think they're that bad of a team obviously like they're just they're too good, but they lose Anthony Barnout for the year. Daniel Hunter's still out. 
Um, you know, they have real issues with trying to figure out who to get the ball to when all you have to do is lock up Adam Thielen. Jordan Jefferson is just not ready to be a contributor to this offense yet. And Dalvin Cook has just been a ghost. I mean, I have no idea what's been going on there as far as fantasy production goes. And Kirk Cousins is who we thought he was kind of in some way. So, no, I, I know what you're saying with him. Like, I, I know that he can be good. He can be better. I expect him to be better in this game. But Ryan Tannehill quietly awesome again so far this season. And, I mean, I don't know how you can line up these two teams and think that the Vikings are better. I mean, maybe you give, you know, the nod to Zimmer and to that more experienced defense. But I'm I'm on the Titans again here. Yeah, it's hard to pick the Vikings. And when you can zero in on Dalvin Cook or when you can zero in on any one player, I mean, we saw it with Saquon in that Bears game yeah. before he goes down and in week one. When you're your only team's threat, you're not going to be able to be as productive, especially at the running back position. And that's why the running back, running back. Yeah, that's why that position has become so devalued over the years and in the league. So, mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, that's that, that's going to be a game to watch, though, because if the Minnesota drops to 0-3, we could, we could start hearing rumblings about Mike Zimmer's firing uh, here not too oh, far. And, he just and signed an extension, too. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I, honestly, I think Tank Watch is on for the Vikings, too, because Kirk Cousins is a free agent after this year. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to be making near the money that he, that he got on this deal. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think I'm with you. All right, what about the Washington football team, formerly known as the R-Words, against the Cleveland Browns? Browns seven-point favorites here. Man, the Browns Ooh. the Browns could jump to two and one. No, yeah. say it ain't so, aren't you? <laughs> Is that defensive line of Washington going to be able to win this game and play offense as well? <laughs> That's their only chance. One of their two, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know how you fix it. I think that the R words can go in there and sort of start the wasps. They can go in there and um, and cover the seven because I, I don't think they're that bad. Um, I, I think they're pretty good actually. Like they're the time the type of team that can make it ugly and uh, make it interesting. But yeah, yeah like I, mean, I, I just I don't know how you line those two teams up and think that Washington's better than Cleveland right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Unfortunately. What about Chargers, Panthers? The Panthers are in a tough spot. They, uh, they're they going to have to go to the, the number two running back and your boy Mike Davis uh, without without Christian McCaffrey for the next – what is it? Is it two to four or four to six? Four to six. With yeah, he's on IR, so he'll, be, he'll miss at least three. Yeah, so that that's, that's tough fantasy-wise because there's not much else to like. But you have DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson's had quietly 200-yard games as well. I just mm-hmm. – this Panthers team – does not look very good. I don't really like what I've seen out of Teddy Bridgewater, and that Chargers defense is probably going to do a number on that offense without McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, we talked at length here in the first half of the show about how good this this front has been, and now they have their easiest challenge probably so far offensively when you think of the Panthers without CMC. So, I mean, I think like, <laughs> I've actually liked what I've seen of Bridgewater. I know that he's thrown some picks, but he's he's racking up the yards, and I, I actually think he looks pretty athletic, but I I think they're going to have trouble, obviously, with this Chargers defense, and I, it's weird. If Herbert wasn't starting, I'd like the idea of the Chargers going out there and covering, but because he is, that, like, Volatility. as a gambler, yeah. I'm more likely to put my money on Herbert than Tyrod. Isn't that, like, the ultimate reason to go to him? I mean, I know I'm not privy to the the meetings or whatever that Anthony Lynn is, but I like trust your eyes. I think that with Herbert starting, I like the Chargers here. Fair enough. All right, what about Jets Colts? Uh, Colts actually one of the biggest favorites cool. of the week, if not the biggest. Eleven point favorites at home after the whooping they put on Minnesota last week. The Jets maybe the worst team in the NFL right now. Do you agree with the line at Bovada and what Vegas has? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I, I mean, prime survivor pick in my mind, if they're my pick this week, is the, are the Colts. I mean, the Jets are a disaster. Like, they are so, so bad. There's no way. You can't line up. And, you know, and you've got the worst coach in football and Adam Gase, too. So, I mean, maybe Kyle Shanahan finds a way with this team, but Adam Gase, there's just no way. And, uh, you know, we've been surprised by the Colts once this season before. I don't think it's going to happen again in week three. Yeah, Colts Colts are a I mean they're always that team that's like 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 8 and 8 that's like just right on that like in the hunt graphic every year. I just I don't I'm I don't I'm not a buyer in them yet with with Rivers at the helm, but the Jets aren't going to be the team that uh that that sways me that that direction that they're they're not great. So Right. I'll stick with the Colts here. I think they cover. I think the Jets are just that bad. Uh, what about Cowboys Seahawks? This is a are they for real game? I I love this matchup too. I mean this 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 one in the Rams Bills. I, I just these are mouth watering matchups, uh, and we'll get to Monday night. But uh, there's uh, is it Sunday night. Uh, no Monday night. No Monday. Yep. Yeah, so we'll get to that. But there's there's some fun matchups this week, and this is right there in the hunt for that. But Seahawks five point favorites, a huge number at fifty six on the over under on Bovada. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, this is. If you like football, if you're a fantasy football player, I guarantee you've got some stake in this game, either your team or someone you're playing, because, you know, these two teams have been pure electricity. They're healthy, um, and, you know, I expect points to be scored because both their defenses are actually kind of unhealthy. So, love it. I I kind of like the Cowboys to go out there and cover. I mean, I don't think the Cowboys are a very good team, but I think that they are humming on offense. Um, I, all those pieces are just there, there's a lot going on there going for them. And, you know, they're almost in a better spot when they're down, I feel like, because that's the strength of their team is, is to, like, spread it out and toss the ball around. And um, I've seen this before from a McCarthy offense, so I can appreciate uh, all that's going into it. And I, I've been so impressed with that, too, uh, both running and throwing. So I'm, I like the Cowboys to cover. I don't know that they're going to win, but I think that they can get that spread. They have so many weapons. If they could just put it together defensively, oh, I mean, it's just – it's a shame that this team isn't more consistent because they just it's there's there's so much there and you add CD Lamb to an already Michael Gallup and uh, you know Amari Cooper and and Zeke and it's just it's just such a good offensive football team great offensive line I just I I, I don't know it's frustrating to watch them because even that that Atlanta game like that that shouldn't you shouldn't be in that position with as good as Atlanta's offense is that you, there's just you shouldn't you should never be in that position against a team that's that mediocre so. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like them in this game to cover. I think the fives, I, I would like it more at four for the Seahawks, but I think the Seahawks win this one. I, I think they're just, I think the Seahawks are, are a, a Super Bowl contender this year, and I think this is the type of game they need to prove it in. If it was in Dallas, obviously I'd see it a little bit differently, uh, but I mm-hmm. like the Seahawks here. I'm going I'm to say they cover, even though I, like I said, I'd like it better at four. All right, let's go to Detroit and Arizona. This is a matchup of two perennial bottom feeders, but Arizona's sitting at two and zero there, and uh, Bovada likes him to go to three and zero. It's six point uh, favorites here. Yeah, I actually really like Detroit. Uh, I know that's going to come as probably some of, somewhat of a surprise, but Kenny Galladay coming back changes the way that they look. When Matt Stafford had Galladay last year, completely different player. Uh, I mean, their offense was, you know, I think it was ranked number one in terms of like efficiency when driving the ball down the field. Uh, this is like his favorite deep target, and I, you know it opens things up for Marvin Jones. It just it trickles down, and especially against the Cardinals defense that you know has looked good so far. I think that this is I, I think it's a good test for them though, and I don't know that they've seen an offense and a quarterback quite like 
Matthew Stafford yet this season. So I, I do like like the Lions to go and cover it. I know that that's going to probably come as somewhat of a surprise. I, I don't hate that. I mean, the the Lions, they have weapons as well, especially if Galladay does come back. That's not official yet. He was limited today here on Wednesday as we're recording. Uh, he does still need to get in some practices, but I think, to, to, to play in this game. But if he does play, I, I don't hate it. I, I think Arizona... The, the, I'm going to assume I, he plays for the record because if that's he doesn't, all bets are Yeah, of course, of course. I, mm-hmm. I, but yeah, I, I think Arizona... They still have, like I said, I'm not a believer yet. They still have more to prove, and this is the type of game where they should blow this team out if they're legit. Uh, and they didn't really do that with Washington, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tampa Bay, Denver, right. Denver very banged up. Driscoll, they did sign Blake Bortles. Maybe he sees time here in the next few weeks with Drew Lockout um, with the AC joint. But uh, Denver right. is six-point underdogs. I think Tampa Bay probably runs away with this one. I, I like that six points, uh, even as the road uh, favorite here on Bovada. I agree completely. Everything you said, I mean, Tom Brady doesn't have to do anything. He could sleepwalk to another win here. I think that, like, Jeff Driscoll is – I know you, you did mention they, they put up a decent comeback there in the second half, but not just Driscoll, but no Cortland Sutton. I just, like, how do you how do you even – and no Philip Lindsay either, I don't think. Like, nope. He's done and obviously Mark Miller. Yep. Yeah, it's just – man, how, how do you trot out that offense? So, um, yeah, I got to I gotta go with uh, – I got to go with Bruce Arians and these bucks. Sneaky big Sunday night game here, aren't you? I, I don't know if you've heard of the Green Bay Packers, but they come in oh. to New Orleans as three point underdogs here looking at Bovada. I, I, another, you know, there's, there's four or five games this weekend, and this is another one of them. Uh, the Saints, it, it's a, the big question mark is will they have Michael Thomas? And he changes this offense just so much. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is not even a shell of what Michael Thomas is. Obviously, we've, we've saw him get shut down uh, on Monday night, but. They, they just don't have another guy that, that, that changes things that much. And Drew Brees just feels so much more comfortable in, a, in the pocket with a guy like that he could throw to. For sure. I mean, also, Adams, like, though. I mean, is Adams is Adams for sure going to play? It sounds like he's still yeah. on the fence. Yeah, his hamstring. He, he had his media session today and said that he wasn't sure yet. Um, that he'll find out later in the week. It sounded like he wanted to try to get back in the game someday, but – you know, acknowledge that that game was pretty well in hand and he didn't need to necessarily come back. So, I mean, those two receivers, probably the two receivers, two of the three or four best receivers in football right now, like the game totally hinges on their availabilities. I mean, I will say if Adams and Thomas play, yeah, I'm sorry, if Thomas plays, I think that the Saints are going to win this game by three. Um, if he doesn't, I mean, I, I just don't know how you can watch that Saints team. I don't care if it's at home. I don't know how you watched that Saints team last week and see what the backers have done through two weeks and think that they're a better team. Like, it just doesn't it doesn't add up to me. So, um, it yeah. totally hinges on, on Thomas. And the, Pack, the Packers' defense isn't great, but it's it's not worse than the Raiders. No, no. It's, it's definitely better. And, you know, the Packers have given up some points this year, but I think a lot of that has been – you know, they garbage. obviously got down that Lions game, but yeah, it was it was all garbage against the Vikings, and there was definitely some garbage in that Lions game. So, um, you know, I, I mean, we'll see, but I, I do think that the Packers are fighting against a certain, I don't know what it is coming into this season that people assumed that there would be massive regression. Um, and, you know, I, I did think there would be a little bit, but it does feel a little bit like they're being um, a little bit undersold, and uh, I think that they like it that way probably. Hey, I mean, they, they, they took that all the way to the NFC Championship a year ago. So uh, we'll see sure. if they can do it again. All right, let's talk Kansas City-Baltimore. This is a game oh, we've, we've really kind of had circled looking at the schedule this year. Baltimore is 
home favorites, three-point favorites on Bovada, number of 54. I mean, the Ravens obviously have a good defense, but I think that's negated by Kansas City's offense. There's just, you know, we talked about the other games that have huge fantasy implications. This one, I mean, there's just, there's so many stars on the field. Uh, this, uh, this, this could have, like, the ratings of this game. Who, who in the country isn't going to be watching this game? I know that, that uh, the NBA bumped uh, the uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals not to compete with Monday Night Football this week. I assume that they would do that again next week if... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would hope so. I would hope so, too. I mean, if you like football and you don't watch this game, honestly, you just don't like football because this, this game's going to be insane. Like, it's, every year we get one of these, it seems like they're always on Monday night, too. We got... Um, I guess one was maybe Thursday, but we had the the Vikings-Rams a couple years ago, and the Vikings were actually good. That was a blast. The Chiefs-Rams game in, I believe it was Mexico City, was just wild. And, I, I mean, these are, to me, obviously, you know, the two top, probably the top quarterbacks aside from Wilson and just the whole team, the two teams that probably feel the best about their Super Bowl hopes. My guess is they're the two teams with the best Super Bowl odds. And I, I just... I, like it's going to be amazing. They're, like I don't even know how to wrap my head around like analyzing it. If you've got guys in this game and you don't start them, you know, God help you, because I think that every single one of them is going to be fascinating to watch in this one. Yeah, and what a way to end a, a really electric weekend. I mean, there's just yeah. there's so many good games on the slate. Uh, you know, I know that uh, that I'll be glued to my TV all all Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night. So, who? Another oh. long-winded one on you. These are these are the the most fun shows when we can literally go through every single game. I you know, I hope you enjoy it because we sure we sure enjoy bringing the uh, the coverage to you of everything that we're talking about. And uh, like I said, I you know obviously not super excited about my my team this year. Uh, not super excited about some of the injuries we saw in in week two, but. You know, we have football, like you said, Anshu. There might not be fans in the stands, as the coaches might be wearing masks, and if not, getting fined for it. Um, but we have we have football, and and I, I, you know, I'm knocking on wood as I'm talking, but hopefully, we have football for for 17 weeks and then some playoffs. Absolutely, I think I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. Let's hope that the country doesn't burn to the ground before then. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is the last week before buys kick in, so we will definitely have some shorter shows in the next few weeks, I think. But uh, I guess don't hold your breath because we, we like talking about this stuff, man. It's been so long since we had it, and uh, I'm going to not shake it for granted as much as possible because it's so fun to do. Agreed. All right, Anshu. Well, we got through it. We got through the week two recap. We got through the week three preview. We're going to bring you the same thing next week. We'll talk about what happened, if any of our predictions were right, and what's going on in the fantasy football world. Anything you wanted to add, Anshu? Not at all. Enjoy week three, everyone. All right, love it. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Josh Dunn. We'll see you next week.